Welcome to this podcast series produced by the Race Equality and Anti-Racist Subcommittee of the University of Edinburgh in collaboration with Teaching Matters. We will hear from different academics at the university talking about what decolonizing the curriculum means for them and how they have put this into practice in their learning and teaching or research. They also share some findings and readings they have found useful. The hope is that the podcast will provide ideas, stimulate thinking and dialogue, as well as building a network of academics in the university who are interested and engaged in offering an anti-racist, a decolonized and inclusive curriculum. If you're interested in contributing a podcast to this series, please get in touch with Emily Senna or Johanna Halton co-conveners of the Race Equality and Anti-Racist Subcommittee. To get in touch with Emily, email her at emily.senna at ed.ac.uk and to contact Johanna, email johanna.halton at ed.ac.uk. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Radhika, if you could start with a brief introduction of yourself, please. Sure. My name is Radhika Govinda. I am a senior lecturer in sociology at the School of Social and Political Science. I sit on the steering committees of University White Networks, Gender Ed and Race Ed. I am a founding member of the staff BAME Network. I'm also involved in the Women of Color Collective and the Edinburgh Race Equality Network. And I'll be taking on the role of co-director of equality, diversity and inclusion and promotions in my school from August 2022. My research is on intersectionality, feminist activism, and the gender politics of development in the global south, especially India. I'm passionate about my teaching, and my teaching is closely connected to my research. I teach on four of the undergraduate and postgraduate courses on gender and feminism offered in my school. As a feminist of color from the global south, now employed at the University of Edinburgh, a notable institution of higher education in the global north, I'm acutely aware of both the privilege and the relative marginality of my location in the academy and feel deeply invested in the project of decolonizing knowledge production. Thank you. Radhika, what does decolonizing mean to you? For me, decolonizing is about decentering whiteness and disrupting the ways in which white bodies have established privileged relationships to indigenous lands, natural resources, labor, and also what we understand and counts as knowledge itself. Decolonizing may have become a fad today, but the process started back in the early to mid 20th century, and it's important to keep sight of that. Decolonizing knowledge production and circulation is about centering the voices, the perspectives, the people's movements, and the scholarship emerging from the majority world. I see the university classroom as an important entry point for this kind of decolonizing work. And in that sense, decolonizing is also about the politics of location, including my own. It is about confronting dilemmas about my own subjectivity. It is about inserting myself into the classroom space, about including myself in the discourse. The reason I say that it is about inserting myself in the classroom space is because oftentimes I'm one of the few, if not the only obvious visible other in my own classroom. 
decolonizing the classroom then is not an option for me. It is a requirement. I have found that using intersectional pedagogy helps in this process. Intersectionality may have become a buzzword today, quite like decolonization has become a fad today, but in its original radical form, intersectionality was conceived as a mechanism for understanding that gender does not exist in isolation from race, caste, class, religion, sexuality, ability, and so on. That these identities and related structures are multiple and intersecting. And therefore, the re resultant power and privilege and inequalities and exclusion too cannot be understood and addressed through single access frameworks. Intersectional pedagogy for me takes cognizance of this in terms of both the planned and the transacted curriculum. What I mean by this is not only the syllabus, but also how that gets transacted, what I do with it in the classroom space. My understanding and efforts to incorporate intersectional pedagogy in my teaching practice derive from my engagement with the writing and ideas of radical pedagogue, Paulo Freire, Black feminists, Kimberly Crenshaw, Patricia Hill Collins, and Bell Hooks. Argentine feminist philosopher Maria Lugones, Dalit standpoint feminist Sharmila Reggae, post-colonial feminist Chandra Talpade Mohanty and Gayatri Chakravarti Spivak, and anti-racism activist Peggy McIntosh, among others. How have you taken this forward as part of your learning and teaching and your research? So I'll first talk about um, how I've done this with respect to my the learning and teaching activities that, that I've been involved in at the university. Intersectional pedagogy and a decolonizing approach are core to how my undergraduate honors option course, Gender Marginality and Social Change is designed and transacted. I use that as an example to uh, share with you some of my reflections on learning and teaching and using a decolonizing and intersectional approach. The course includes sessions on intersectionality and feminist knowledge production, caste, race, colonialism, and ethnocentrism, honor, religious identity, and fundamentalism, so they focus on Islamophobia, disability, and North-South knowledge dualism, coloniality of NGO-led development, and feminism. Intersectional and decolonial lenses guide not only what is taught, so this is the content that I teach, but also how it is taught and assessed. Foregrounding in the course material scholarship by non-Eurocentric scholars is an obvious step, but by far not enough. As Don Ray Davis writes, Students are often surprised and uncomfortable when the woman in the mirror of course materials does not duplicate their own identity formations and instead other women seem to be in charge. For me, this is about surprise and discomfort. Surprise and discomfort that our students experience are in fact artifacts of our system of education and our students need to be enabled to understand them as such. Our habits of knowing and learning are deeply enmeshed in our identity. And this means that most of our students know only to read what is addressed to them. It is like when we read a novel, we try to identify with the central character in it, or at least some character in it. But when that doesn't happen, we struggle to relate with the storyline. 
and to finish the novel, don't we? Readings on a course are not too different. So when the course materials push the students towards a decentering of their subjectivity, they must be helped to recognize how their self cannot be known purely on its own terms, that it is in fact always already enmeshed, entangled with the other. Let me give you an example of how I try to do this. After our session on questions of race, caste and ethnocentrism, I asked the students to imagine and write up the conversation um, that black feminist scholar activist Bell Hooks and Dalit feminist scholar activist Aninamala might have had were they to meet. In this exercise, the mirror of the course material, the students must draw on emits a gaze of otherness requiring the students to necessarily alter their schemes of recognition and understanding. The students are being asked to authoritatively write up a conversation that is meant to look at them specifically as racialized white identities in a manner that challenges their own self-perception. I enable them to reassemble their identity as purveyors of knowledge, as interlocutors of knowledge, albeit not in the traditional sense, but by indicating to them that they are the authors of this imagined conversation. They can inscribe themselves into the conversation as moderators. They can ask of Hooks and Namala whatever questions they like and decide on howsoever these scholar activists might respond. I have to say that I have found in my students my biggest allies. If not allies, then allies in the making. And the making is something that one has to do consciously. So in addition to classroom activities like the imaginary conversation between the two scholar activists I mentioned, I also adapt the assessment questions. This year, for instance, one of the long essay options was to write a manifesto in 15 suggestions for teaching a course through intersectional and decolonial lenses, justifying their choice of suggestions. This meant that they had to read papers on intersectional pedagogy and on decoloniality and connect these with what they had learned in class, but also how they had learned it. Now, the assessment is a big thing. Even if only half a dozen students attempted this question, the fact that this was an essay option signals to the entire class that this learning is valued, that it is considered worthy of being tested. If the intersectional and decolonial lenses underpin what is taught and how it is taught and assessed, then it has to manifest in the teaching team too. Every effort, therefore, is made to have a diverse teaching team in terms of embodied intersectionality and an honest commitment to decolonizing the curriculum. Now, you asked me to also talk about how I try to take this forward as part of my research activities. So I'll briefly mention that. Decolonizing feminist knowledge production through research and teaching was an important component of the UGC UK funded Teaching Feminisms Transforming Lives project which has recently been concluded and for which I was the PI. Co-eyes included Fiona Mackay and Meryl Kenny. And this was a North-South research and pedagogic collaboration between the University of Edinburgh and Ambedkar University, Delhi. A host of project resources 
are available on the project web pages on the university website. And these include recordings of keynote and presentations from the 2019 Decolonizing Feminist Knowledge Workshop that we organized, um, an art mural curated to visually capture the workshop proceedings, and a webcomic publication, book publication called Feminist Struggles in the Academy, based on workshops, roundtables, and panel discussions to make accessible academic conversations about feminism and decolonizing the academy. The webcomic project was made possible through an additional University of Edinburgh student experience grant and support received from Gender Ed. If I may say so myself, it's an excellent resource that can be used in the classroom space. The main project output is an edited collection called Doing Feminisms in the Academy, Identity, Institutional Pedagogy, and critical classrooms in India and the UK. And this are several chapters by emergent and established academics from both institutions reflecting on the challenges as well as the importance of decolonizing the academy and democratizing the curriculum. I'll give you a couple of examples of the kinds of chapters that are there in this book. Doctoral scholar Kamya Chaudhary's chapter is on being brown an intersectional account of identity and the postgraduate experience in the UK. And in my own chapter called Decolonizing Feminist Classrooms, I reflect on my attempts at decolonizing in the context of my honors option course, gender marginality and social change. So, so lastly, could you share with us some books, writers and articles that you have found useful and you would like to share with the listener? So Joanna, you ask about books, writers, and articles that I've found useful that, and that I'd like to share with uh, the listener. But before I get into that, I want to say something about, about my experience of trying to do this work. And I suppose how I think of decolonizing, not what it means, but how I think about the process of decolonizing. And through that, um, bring in whom I have been inspired by and what I have read and share some of that with you. So decolonizing, intersectionality, disrupting whiteness are big words, big ideas, and they can feel daunting. They did to me. As a feminist academic of color from the global south, I have been thinking about these concerns for some years now, but just because I'm brown, or from the majority world does not mean that I am disembedded from the colonial enterprise. I too am a product of a system of education, of knowledge production that is predominantly Western. Reflexivity about one's own positionality is in this sense key. I try to think of decolonizing classrooms and democratizing the curriculum as a journey not a destination, therefore, as a process, not an outcome. There are several blind spots, several dilemmas that I still need to interrogate and others that I'm still in the process of addressing. Now, I've already mentioned earlier that I have found helpful the writing and ideas of Paulo Freire, Kimberly Crenshaw, Patricia Hill Collins, Bell Hooks, Maria Lugones, Sharmila Reggae, Chandra Talpade Mohanty, Gayatri Chakravarti Spivak, and Peggy McIntosh in this process. I want to take a moment to focus on Chandra Talpade Mohanty's writings 
and bell hooks's writings many of us would especially those in the social sciences would know about mohanty's 1984 underwesternized piece she wrote underwesternized revisited in 2003 and in this essay she offers a typology of three curricular models used to engage with other in quotes other subject materials on courses and programs the first is what she calls feminist as tourist model this could also be called the add and stir model where what is happening in other cultures out there in the world is only added for flavor the second model is what she calls the feminist as explorer model this is slightly better in that the focus of the course is entirely on others the third is the comparative feminist studies model and is premised on the understanding that the differences and similarities between the global and the local between the majority world and the minority world exist in relation to and in tension with each other the comparative lens has much to offer and often leads to a questioning of the supposed superiority of the west of the rest playing catch up to it in terms of in quotes progressive ideas and in quotes development and sheds light on the diversity within the so called rest rest of the world for instance in my postgraduate option course gender and development i encourage my students to use this kind of comparative lens to recognize the salience of coloniality in development thinking and practice and to appreciate that the global north and the global south cannot be understood in distinction from one another our histories and our present are bound up with each other a point that the covid-19 pandemic has made amply clear and yet vaccine nationalism and vaccine apartheid continue but let me not digress bell hooks reminds us that what matters is not only the act of inclusion but also the terms of inclusion when trying to decolonize classroom teaching and how i interpret this is that it's not enough to merely diversify the reading list or to helicopter in the african studies or the south asian studies scholar or expert we must also pay attention to whether the classroom environment is conducive for engaging in transformative learning an important question to ask in this regard is whether my students from african countries from asian countries from latin american countries and at the postgraduate level there are at least a handful from these majority world contexts each year whether these students of mine especially those who are people of color whether they feel included in my classroom how can i teach in a manner that is self affirmatory for them and others like them who may be visibly different from the white western majority in my class how do i invite those students of mine who are from these contexts to share their insights on these contexts without putting them in a spot or turning them into a so called case study having been asked to explain the caste system in india in practically every class i attended at science po paris i am all too aware of what it feels like to be treated as a case study 
whilst it is important to teach in a manner that recognizes difference, it is equally important not to exceptionalize it. I know I can't do this work alone. So as I said before, I need my students. And here I look to my white Western students to become my allies. I tell my students early on, all my students for that matter, early on that we need to work together to co-construct an inclusive classroom. My understanding of an inclusive classroom is one which recognizes that we do not leave our embodied intersectionalities at the door of the classroom. The power, the privilege, the inequalities that exist outside of the classroom also operate within it. Our classroom in this sense is not a safe space. It's not a classroom of equals. It is instead a space of discomfort and hopefully transformation in which the students and I recognize and begin to unlearn our privilege and examine how this and our relative marginality are embedded in unequal structures of coloniality. Now, all of this can be quite exhausting. And this leads me to argue that the onus of decolonizing classrooms cannot solely lie on those of color, those from the South. Not in the least because our numbers are so low that we remain in Heidi Mirza's terms, an endangered species. The onus of decolonizing has to be on all involved. Only then will the project of decentering Northern hegemony in knowledge production become scalable. <laughs>